0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. I'm Scott Durfee, joined as always by a good friend and uh, my uncle, actually. Uh, yeah,
1: your your old uncle.
0: Yeah, not not really that old, but Dave's just a few years older than me. I I, I, I would only, probably only
1: in LDS families e- exactly. Do, do you go to a wedding, and the and the mother or the mother-in-law of the. Yeah, bride or groom is expecting a baby, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's so that <laughs> yeah, that's it's right. It's possible to have a well, a niece or nephew who's actually older than the uncle or the aunt. So well,
0: and, and it's kind of cool for me because you know I don't have any older brothers. Um, you don't have any younger brothers, uh, yeah. They're, so, they're, you know, yeah, my there dad's go. my dad's the oldest of your siblings. Yeah. You're the youngest of your siblings, so I think it's kind of a I think it's kind of a sweet tender person yeah. <laughs> that we uh, get
1: here, you maybe know, maybe less uncle nephew than yeah.
0: For a few of us, at brother, least, little I know, brother. I know I have a couple of cousins that are about my same age, and uh, they probably all feel the same way. But I definitely look to you more <laughs> in that regard. Anyway, uh, it's been a great week, uh, you know you know the the leaves are changing here on the Wasatch front we're getting some yellow and some red on the mountains I'm looking out my window right now and you can see uh, Mount Timpanogos from where we're sitting and you can see a lot of the changes and you know when with change it, it reminds me Dave you know repentance is about change
1: yeah Totally,
0: uh, and uh, we've we've got a lot to talk about in that regard. Again today, as we always do, uh, you know, gang, we we appreciate your emails. Uh, we've received several. Uh, you can email us at he redeems us at gmail dot com. Again, that's he redeems us at gmail dot com. We received an email from a person that uh, just had a great question. And and a lot of times we're going to, if it's okay, and if it's not okay, please be be explicit and ask us not to share. But uh, we're going to make an assumption on this one. We'll change names, et cetera, so that, uh, you know, to protect identity and and, and things of that nature. Uh, But we got an email. I'm not going to read the whole email. I'm going to read an important part of it. Um, but this email comes to us. We're going to say from a person by the name of Nate.
1: So we want to, we want to answer Nate's question, which I really love his the sincerity of uh, his question and his concern to, to, uh, to be better, to overcome his uh, weakness or sin. Um, and, Scott, after we do that today... I want to do a, a follow-up on last week's podcast, because last week we talked about the the character of God, that being one of the uh, requirements to, to know the character of God, to have the faith that we need, to have the faith of power or the faith of salvation. Uh, but I also want to talk about the attribute of God as being a God of justice or a God of laws, that the, that God is not just a God of love but he is also a god of law of laws so today after we answer nate's nate's question and spend some time on this which i know is is relevant to all of us that we can all relate to then i want to talk about the 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 attribute of god sounds great let's do it
0: yep um so nate here's your question um alias nate Here's the question uh, to David Scott. How can I sincerely repent of a sin? Uh, For example, being critical or getting angry at my spouse, if I know I'm going to be critical and get angry at my spouse again in the future. You know, as defined by Elder Anderson, forsaking sin means we will never repeat it, never return to it, not in action or in word or even in our mind. That's almost a quote right out of the book, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then he goes on to say, I know that I'm going to return to certain sins simply because from a character development standpoint, I'm just not at the point where I've achieved mastery in those areas. Thank you.
1: Well, I think a lot of people can relate to that, Scott, including myself. Yeah, me too. Including you. And uh, none, of us, none of us are uh, sinless. Uh, we've all had our Challenges we all have weakness, right? Uh, God, if and if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. Well, uh, and the closer you get to the Lord, actually, the more weakness you see, and the and the the larger your weakness appears. At least, the closer you get to the Lord, I think that's an important fact to keep in mind. But I was. Uh, talking to my sweetheart about this, uh, this email and this question. And she reminded me of when she was a young mother. And I think all young mothers can relate to this. Maybe young fathers too. Um, she, she just, it was hard. I mean, we had a lot of children in a bunch and, uh, I think we had four children under the age of six or seven, and it was really hard for her to not uh, become short-tempered or it's hard to show the patience that was really, uh, I think she felt that they deserved or that she wanted to display. And as a result of a lack of patience, she would get angry. She would yell at the children and she would repent, and she would tell him that she was so, that she was sorry. She would even sometimes even cry when she said she was sorry to each to our children. I thought that was really such a. I saw her do that many times. I thought that was it's one of her greatest attributes is her humility. And in tears, sometimes to go to her children and say, "I'm so sorry," um, you know, "Mommy shouldn't have have said that," or "Mommy shouldn't have." And and her and her children would pat her back. I remember one incident, you know, uh they would pat her back and they'd say, It's okay, mommy, we know you're not perfect And, you know, they would be so quick to forgive. So I, I think young mothers can relate to this question about losing our temper or being critical. Um again we can all relate to this. I have a a situation uh, right right now uh, cl- that's close to me, where someone uh, lost their temper and acted out in kind of a road road rage incident, and uh, uh, pe- people parents or spouses who maybe in a in a temper swear at each other, or they swear at their children, or they put their children down, or whatever. And, Scott, it's uh, there's just too much contention and, and conflict in our relationships, and President Nelson keeps talking about that with us. But in regards to the question about why should I repent if I just know I'm going to repeat the behavior over and over again, and he brings up the point because he's not where he needs to be in character development. right. But that's not the problem, you know. He, he talked. I got to keep repenting.
0: I got to keep repenting. I got to keep repenting. And then he uses the word in my character development. I'm just not there yet, yeah. uh, and, and I think that's really the key, Dave. Yeah, that,
1: I think it's uh,
0: not our character development. It's but not the character about part.
1: a change of behavior. He's um, Nate. Bless his heart. Like many of us, <laughs> and and I think we've all done this. I've done this for sure. Sometimes I still catch myself doing it where we focus too much on our behavior and not upon the condition of our heart. Uh, Repentance is not a change of behavior. That's one of the things it's not. In fact, in his email, he even mentions that he's grateful for the way that we've taught repentance in the podcast because we've used kind of an inverse method of not just teaching what repentance is, but we began by teaching what it is not. Right. Well, I'm re- I want to remind Nate, repentance is not a change of behavior. Repentance is a change of nature, change of heart. It's a change of heart. So, if you see repentance that way, then you have to say, "Okay, so how can I how can I receive that blessing?" And I think too many times Scott and I I haven't pro- we haven't talked about this enough on our podcast. Too many people, when they are repenting, are focused on the behavior, not upon their nature. And in other words, they want mercy. They want to be forgiven of what they've done, right? They want to be forgiven of a sin of commission. They, they want to be redeemed and forgiven, which is the attribute of mercy in, in God, and that's what, they're, that's what they're trying to receive in the process of their repentance. But Scott, there's a, there's a whole other aspect to repentance that we don't probably focus on enough, and Elder Bednar's given several talks on this, which is repentance is not just for sinning, but repentance is also for strengthening strengthening. So we should not just pray for mercy or forgiveness of sin, but we should pray for grace, which is the enabling power that comes through the atonement of Jesus Christ as administered into our lives through the Holy Ghost. And grace as defined in the Bible dictionary by Elder Bednar, by Elder Oaks and and many others, we need to not just pray for forgiveness, but we need to pray for strength. We need not just we we should not just pray for what we need to stop doing. We need to start praying and asking Heavenly Father to inspire us and strengthen us in what we should start doing. Uh, Nate, for example, should focus more on not compliment or not criticizing his wife. He needs to pray for grace to begin complimenting his wife. He he needs to take more proactive actions and be more proactive in his prayer or in the repentance process to start focusing on how he's going to replace that And, and how can he show a change of nature and a change of heart. So that's one aspect of that, Scott. Another aspect of it is that we need to understand really the difference between weakness and sin. It, it I don't I I don't know Nate's situation. I haven't been in his presence, and and if he's yelling or swearing at his wife and he's completely losing his temper and all of that, then absolutely he he has sinned and he needs to repent. And uh, oh man, Scott, I I know some people who just verbally abuse. Uh, members of their family, and it is a sin of a grievous nature that may I think should be even confessed, and maybe there should even be some church action taken. I, I was a, I was in the state presidency when we when we excommunicated somebody because of his abuse towards his towards his wife and children. So I know that this can be a really grievous sin, and I don't want to make light uh, of it, but I just don't know Nate's situation specifically enough. But, but I think we all have a nature because of weakness and because of the fall. The fall of nature in all of us, Scott, is to, I think, too often be critical and maybe too often lose our temper. That may at times be a sin, in other times, depending on the motive and the condition of our heart, it may just be a weakness. Because I, I, I think sometimes, I, I define sin as rebellion. When you know that what you're doing is wrong. Now I know that if you're being critical and you're yelling at your wife or your children, you know you're doing something wrong. But sometimes you don't, You it doesn't consciously, you don't go through the act of really consciously identifying that you know that it's wrong, and that 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 stops you. You just do it. You just you just act out of weakness. Well, part not of that, out of rebellion.
0: I I think sometimes that is part. That's part of our nature, you know, and our nature's yeah, developed I think it's over part time, of our fallen nature through conditioning, through the, through or whatever through
1: observing it in others, or right. our parents, yep. or we observe it and it becomes a part, almost like a part of our DNA. Yeah. Well, that can be a weakness, not a sin. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of that. Again, I'm not making light of it, because it can really be grievous. I know it can really be damning. However, sin is an act of rebellion. Weakness, on the other hand, is something that we all display every day in our human nature. And I love the scripture. You all know it. Ether 1227. And if men come unto me. So there's the key. And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. And I would add, and he'll show unto us the difference between weakness and sin. And if they humble themselves before me, I will make weak things become strong unto them. Thank you, Scott. And he also says in that scripture, this is the most important part, my grace, my enabling power, my strengthening power, my grace, is sufficient. Have you got the scripture?
0: Yeah. Will you it, read it? Yeah, absolutely. This is. I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there, too. This is one of Deb's favorite scriptures. Uh, she, she refers to this all the time. And there's another one in 2 Corinthians I'd like to talk about, too, as well. But here's uh, Ether 1227. And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness, that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will mm-hmm. I make weak things become strong unto them.
1: If they have faith, humble. humility and faith. And, the, and that's really the faith of power, Scott. Right, The faith of power to receive the grace, the enabling power, to not only help us to stop a behavior— but to change our nature, and again, I emphasize in that verse, my grace is sufficient. And again, grace is not just the forgiveness part of sin; grace is the strengthening part of of our of the repentance process. So um, that's that's the second point that I would make is there's a difference between weakness and sin and sin is rebellion and I don't know Nate well enough again I don't want to minimize anything here but I I, I don't know if Nate's really acting out of rebellion it may be weakness but through repentance weakness can become a strength through the grace the strengthening enabling power of Christ and his atonement by receiving the Holy Ghost and having humility and faith so I would I would ask anyone to, when they repent, to not just ask for forgiveness, but ask for strengthening power and and really try to seek some revelation from the Lord, to know how they can replace. You know, sometimes Scott, it's not about just stopping it; it's about replacing it. And I think I think replacing it can help us to overcome it. So Nate and all of us should focus on how can we if I have an, uh, if I have the sin of being critical, how can I be more generous with my with my praise, with complimenting, with showing act, kindness, acts of kindness and, and uh, words of love? Anyway, that, that's, that's the another aspect of that.
0: I mentioned another scripture in 2 Corinthians. This is Paul, uh, chapter 12, verse 9, 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 9. Uh, and, and this is Paul. He's in the third heaven here. Uh, and he says, he's uh, well, let me start with eight. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. In other words, he's talking about a problem, a weakness. Yeah, in the
1: flesh. That he has. What is he called? A thorn in the flesh. A thorn
0: in the flesh, that's exactly right. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness.
1: Mm. In other words, his grace. Exactly.
0: Most gladly, therefore... Will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me? Now, that doesn't mean that we should go out and seek and look for our infirmities so that we could have the power of Christ resting upon us, but when we do, that it can through repentance. Therefore, in verse 10, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in the necessities of the persecutions, in the distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now that, that again that's not a justification for our weaknesses but that's a remedy how that through Absolutely. our weaknesses we can feel the power of Jesus Christ and and that enabling power. Dave I think that you you brought up something and and I think this is something that's been it was new for me. And as I began this study and as I began this approach, and I think it is for a lot of people, we'll actually be talking about this tonight in the institute class that Deb and I will be teaching as part of Elder Anderson's book, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness. But this is on page 43 in The Divine Gift of Forgiveness. And this is a chapter that's titled Repentance, an Idea now out of style, and the uh, heading in this section is in this essential part of God's plan. And I'm going t- towards the bottom of the page on page 43. He says, and I love this, listen to this first part of this sentence. Okay. I promise you, okay, that's a promise coming from an apostle, yeah. from a prophet of God. We are receiving a promise, okay?
1: And I promise you that Elder Anderson does not use that term or word lightly. I promise you.
0: As you seek repentance through your Heavenly Father and His Divine Son, you will be given the strength to keep the commandments of God. You will be given a power that will lift and comfort you as you rejoice in your new life and trust in God. As the Lord's servant, I affirm to you that repentance is is a true and essential part of His plan."
1: I, I love how Elder Anderson chose in that book, you know, as we as we worked on it together, he chose to always end the chapter with a, with some personal testimony or promise. And that those are some of my favorite parts of each of the chapters. So, uh Scott, that's thank you. Yeah, and that's an apost- apostolic promise that we can have the strength to be strengthened.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't—again, I, let me just—I I, want to make sure the point's clear here, that not only does the atonement of Jesus Christ provide us rede- redemption powers, right, the powers of redemption, not only does it supply for us compensatory plow- powers— But part of the one of the other great blessings and one that sometimes I think from my own experience is a little bit misunderstood are the enabling powers. You know, these enabling powers through repentance, we gain more power to keep the commandments more precisely with more with more power even. And and it deepens our faith to that faith of power as as we've talked about
1: before. Well, Well, as Elder Bednar said in a classic talk on this on this topic is that uh, Jesus Christ and his atonement not only has the power to make uh, bad men good, but he has the power to make good men better. And it's not enough when when we really truly are sincere about repenting. It's not enough, Scott. And I'm talking about sin here, rebellion, not just weakness. Not
0: just weakness, right.
1: And it's important to differentiate between those. Uh, weakness is not, not sin. But if we're really repenting, we need to be more specific and more purposeful, more intentional about not just asking for forgiveness but for pleading, crying out, and pleading for help, for strength to, to overcome. I think I think another aspect of this email that i I want to just touch on because i I believe in this with all my heart is again that when we repent we we should not just repent of our actions, but repentance also includes the conditions of our heart and our emotions, and our heart is the center of our emotions is my heart right? If my heart's not right, then how can I get it right? That that should be an important discussion we have with ourselves and with God in prayer to to learn how to control our emotions, and that may require, Scott, a change of personality and character. If we have to change our emotions and we should change our emotions. I testify that I know that God, through the atonement of Jesus Christ, has the power to even change our emotions and how we feel and how we see. He has the power to change our perspective, how we see individuals. In this case, Nate's email, being less less critical, Uh, seeing things, being more optimistic. Uh, Really, through repentance, We can even see ourselves and others and the world differently. We can feel differently. Repentance is not just about changing behavior. And I think that more of us need to be intentional and serious about repenting of inappropriate emotions, inappropriate thoughts, inappropriate perspectives. And we, we need to be really serious about that, Scott. Uh, I, I, I'm just I, I've said this probably too many times, so I'm sorry. But even our feelings of fear, which again, so many times our critical nature and contention is out of fear and insecurity. sometimes it's out of pride, which I think is another form of insecurity uh we need to repent of any feelings inappropriate feelings of lust or jealousy or envy or any of that of comparing ourselves i think i think comparing ourselves taken to an extreme is can go from a being a weakness to a sin when when we become really critical or jealous coveting in the scriptures yeah. is a sin yeah one of the seven deadly sins <laughs>
0: but but you know what what difference does it really make if it's a weakness or a sin and it still drives us from our heavenly father and the and the and the anecdote or the remedy to this is still the atonement of Jesus Christ we now we kind of get into and i think it's important you know but there yeah. is there is a yeah. level of semantics here as well
1: you're right yeah you're right if yeah. it's holding us back from keeping the spirit of the lord or hurting others yeah then we should be serious about repenting of it. It it is a sin.
0: That is is definitely one of the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve, which perpetuates or necessitates, I should say, the need for this repentance process, this returning to him. And so anytime we are feeling those effects and they can show up as weakness, they can show up as transgression, and they can show up as outright rebellion and sin. But either way, uh, it's the, the remedy to this is uh, out of necessity the power that comes to us through the atonement of Jesus Christ. We talked about the enabling power, and then you said um, something ab- along the lines of we should ask our quest- ourselves the question or something along those lines, how can I get this right? How can I get it right? How can I make it right? And, I, and the answer to that is pretty simple. Yeah, You know, it, we, we make it difficult. But the answer to how can I make this right or how can I get this right in my life, the process may be difficult and may uh, it, it require a ton of energy or some energy at least on our part. But the ra- answer to that is just through alignment you know, through aligning our will with our Heavenly Father's will, getting back to the contrite spirit of the broken heart and contrite spirit of repentance, right? And so as we put that contrite spirit and as we begin that alignment process, and, you know, we can go back several episodes, and we probably should, you know. I In fact, I'll make that invitation to you. Go back uh, and go back to the episodes where we talked about having the spirit of the Holy Ghost in our lives, and that's how the alignment happens, and that's how we can get it right.
1: Yeah, that's that's really good, Scott, and I, I think it's really comforting to, uh, for all of us uh, to know that um, as oft as we repent. I mean, this is right. This is Moroni, Moroni chapter six, verse eight. As oft as they repented and sought forgiveness with real intent, they were forgiven. Mm-hmm. So sometimes uh, we don't focus enough on the word intent. When as oft as they repented with ri- and sought forgiveness, Scott, Mm-hmm. And those are not necessarily always the same the same thing because repentance includes not just seeking forgiveness. Repentance includes uh, praying for a change of nature and the enabling power of grace and a strengthening power of the atonement in our life, not just the redemptive power or forgiveness. So as often as they repented and sought for forgiveness with real intent, they were forgiven. I know when I I, uh, brought this up with my sweetheart, we were having a discussion about it, and she was talking about how she could relate to Nate's email because of being a mother who was often uh, out of patience, short of patience, and sometimes yelling or sometimes being um, hard on the children. She said, I always knew I was repenting because by the end of the day I had a broken heart contrite spirit, and I was always asking for forgiveness. Not just from God, but she was asking for forgiveness from those who she had hurt. So I I think as long as we are sincere and intentional in our efforts to forgive, and we continue not to just ask for forgiveness from God, but ask for forgiveness from those whom, who we have offended or hurt, we're we're going to be repenting daily. Yeah. And we've been encouraged to repent daily, and I don't think we should feel bad about it. We just should never trifle with it. Joseph Smith said, "Do not trifle with daily repentance." So as long as we're sincere with real intent and as long as we're asking for forgiveness with a broken heart and contrite spirit, then we should have Confidence, knowing where we stand with God, and not continually shame ourselves because of the the natural man and the tendency uh, that we all have in the flesh to we're, Scott we're never going to be free from sin in this life. that's just a fact, and the prophets have stated it, and the scriptures are clear about it so Nate, you're in good company, and uh, hope and pray that that discussion will be helpful. To you and to all of us, and that again, that we won't just focus on behaviors when we're repenting, or that we won't just focus on change or character development. We're talking about focusing on Jesus Christ and receiving the enabling power uh, from His atonement, and to be able to have, walk, live, drink, eat, sleep by the Spirit of the Lord. Administering grace or the enabling power of God into our life. So, thank you, Nate. Now, another thing we wanted to discuss today, Scott, moving on, is that last time we talked about the love of God, spent most of the time on that. We shared some personal experiences with it. And thankful for those who have been willing to share theirs. That came from the character of God. As described in the lectures on faith that faith again requires three things the idea or belief that God exists second to know and understand the character attributes and perfections of God that's the second requirement to have faith of power and third is to know that our will is aligned with God's, or that what we are doing is pleasing to him. Those are the three elements that we all need to work on in order to develop the faith of power. So last time we were, we were talking about the character of God, and, and there are six given to us, Scott, in the lectures on faith. We dealt with just the last one, which was the love of God in our in our podcast last week. But I just want to read this list. This is the the uh character of God. First, he was a god before he before he was created. In other words, he's always been God. The same God that he was after it was created. Second, that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in goodness, and that he was so from everlasting and will be to everlasting. Third, That he changes not, neither is there any variableness with him. Fourth, that he is a God of truth and cannot lie. Fifth, that he is no respecter of persons. And sixth, that he is love. God is love. Those are the six characteristics of God given in the lectures on faith that we should really focus on. And we focus mostly on on love. I think all of those are really critical to understand who God is. I really love the one that he is no respecter of persons. But now, sometimes we just like to focus on the character of God, and we don't like to really focus on his attributes. And sometimes we have a hard time, Scott, uh, differentiating between the God of love and the God of laws. We, we like to think of God as a God of love, and we're a little less inclined to focus on Him being a God of laws. And we can't do that. I, I, he's as much a God of law and justice as He is a God of love and mercy. I,
0: I think we'll find this as we go through this discussion, but I'm going to submit it now. I, I think that as we go through and we and we talk about the, this attribute that God is a God of law, that we'll actually see that that that's actually necessary in order for us to experience God's love.
1: Yeah, they're 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 inextricably, <laughs> they inextricably really linked. Scott. They really are. Yeah. yeah, you can't have a God of love without a God of law.
0: That's exact. In fact, the law is an expression of the depth of God's love t- for us.
1: That's in Elder Anderson's book as well that without his laws his love would be wasted that's right he could not reward us he could not exalt us if it were not for the laws of god scott well, he could he couldn't even save us
0: you know think about this you know when we in our in our earthly experiences even love isn't what we say Love is what we do. I mean, we tell each other we love each other. But if we if we love each say if I say David I love you and then I act totally contrary to that, or or I don't act in ways that are in alignment with that, that's not love. That's a word,
1: right? (laughs) Do you remember me telling the story about my Japanese friend? Yeah. When General Authority told all these Japanese brethren in a leadership meeting, in a church leadership meeting, to go home and tell their wives that they that they love them. Oh, my my friend, he was a bishop at the time, he started sweating bullets. He thought, oh, no, I can't go home and tell her that I love her. Oh, no. And so anyway, he, he went home and took courage and, and said, Toshiko, I love you. And she slapped him. <laughs> she and thought she, he had done something wrong. Yeah, she said, what have you done, Ted? What have you done? Oh, nothing. I, I And she wanted to know, really. It, it really upset her. And, uh, you know, when he was telling me that story, I I looked at Toshiko and I said, how come? You know, we were at lunch together with our wives. Uh, and she said, in Japan, we don't have to say it. We show it.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: But God being a God of love is not enough no. to exalt us. I know love is powerful. I know love. So many people think love is the bottom line and I'm 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 there with you. But without his laws, there would never be enough power. There would be an, n- never be enough um to exalt us. I, I,
0: and I would even challenge that without the laws, there's really no love.
1: Without mercy, there's no justice. Without justice, there's no mercy. I mean, one can't really rob the other here. So we focused last week on the character of God and his love, one of the six. Uh, Today I just want to read the list of the attributes of God that are listed in the lectures on faith. So here's the the six attributes. Knowledge, number one, knowledge that he... He knows all things. He knows the beginning to the end. There, there is no pastor present with him. Uh, I'm sorry, there is no pastor future with him. Everything is present before him. He knows all things from the beginning to the end. Second, faith or power. And it's, I love this in the lecture on faith where it says faith or power. In other words, they make faith synonymous with power. Well, we know that there are different levels of faith. And the highest level of faith is power. And we know that God created the earth by faith or by the word of his power. We, we know that. So, But that's one of his attributes listed here is his power or his faith. Third is justice. Without without justice, Scott, we would not be able to have faith in, in God. We need to understand that attribute. His judgment. His judgment is an important part of his attribute. He judges us. Fifth is his mercy. And sixth is truth, that he cannot lie. We believe in a God who cannot lie. Well, those are his attributes and sometimes we would prefer to focus on his characteristics meaning love and less on his attributes meaning his laws or his justice in carrying out those laws. And I I just think it's really important that we that we have a true understanding of both in order to have the level of faith that we need for us to be able to return and live with Him in His presence. So let, let's just talk about the attribute of justice for just a minute, Scott. Um, we we read a scripture a long time ago about uh, His mercy, His atonement. This is from King Benjamin in uh, Mosiah chapter three, Scott. Uh, will you start to read maybe like verse uh, seven, Mosiah chapter three, verse seven, and let's just read uh, three or four verses here.
0: All right, this is uh, Mosiah chapter three, starting in verse seven. And lo, he shall suffer suffer temptations, and pain of body, hunger, and thirst, and fatigue, even more than man can suffer, except it be unto death. For behold, blood cometh from every poor, so great shall be his anguish for the wickedness and the abominations of his people
1: first as uh, first place in all of holy writ and all of scriptures th- that's where we learn that Jesus bled from every poor because every poor is not a phrase that's in the Bible. Joseph Smith learned it here as he translated the Book of Mormon that Jesus Christ bled sweat blood from every pore. Okay, verse 8.
0: And he shall be called Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven and earth, the Creator of all things from the beginning.
1: And his mother shall be called Mary. Okay, King Benjamin knew that uh, 100 and uh, some 24 years before Jesus was ever born, that his mother would be Mary. And then he talks about his... uh, scourging and his crucifixion and king benjamin saw all of that over more than a hundred years before it happened now now verse 10 scott
0: and he shall rise the third day from the dead and behold he standeth to judge the world and behold all these things are done that a righteous judgment might come upon the children of men
1: judgment justice what is a righteous judgment why is it so important that he judge his people?
0: first off, I think it's important that Jesus Christ judges his people because Jesus Christ and if we go to Alma chapter seven, we know that you know that he suffered everything, body and spirit, every temptation, every physical malady every any possible problem and so because of that, I think that that qualifies him to judge us because he does understand. Because he has that uh, that that experience in his being as well, but even more importantly, but because he's deity, right? Because he's a son of God, because he literally is also a god, and has from that also the love that you know we talked about earlier that uh, he can extend to us as well.
1: If I've been hurt or I've offended or if someone has sinned against me, Scott. And they have not at all repented of that. I'm grateful to know that there will be a judgment. I'm grateful to know there will be a judgment on me, to hold me accountable. I think part of Satan's plan in the pre-mortal existence was that he said, there will be no judgment. There, There will be no judgment. I will save you all. I'll save you all. Well, that completely eliminates judgment. That completely eliminates accountability. There is no accountability. I am so grateful to know that there will be a judgment and that that judgment will be done by a loving God who is going to enforce the laws, Uh, not just for those who have hurt me, but for me, that I can progress. I cannot progress if I am not learning to live and obey the laws of God. That requires uh, effort beyond my own. It causes me to be more dependent upon God, knowing that I cannot keep all of his laws without his help and atoning sacrifice. So laws tie me to God, and I'm grateful to know that he will honor my efforts, and I'm also grateful to know that he will punish those who do not obey his laws. I'm glad to know that there is a reckoning. Now, it's true that none of us, none of us want total, complete justice. (laughs) We would never make it. Thankfully, through his atoning sacrifice, judgment and justice are not only possible, accountability, but there is also mercy. We, but mercy cannot rob justice. I I see them almost uh, Scott as as uh, two sides of the same coin because I I think justice can also. It's justice isn't just the bad guy. Justice can also those who have been somehow hurt, abused, or bad things come out of actions that were forced upon them. The truth is. We're all acted upon, we're all victims, we have all been sinned against. And I'm grateful to know that justice includes that individuals who have not been fairly treated will also receive not just mercy, not just grace, but they'll also receive justice, which means that life will be fair, that that because of what he did, that it will be just Life will be just, it will be fair, it will be equitable. There, without justice, there is no uh, equity. There no, there, we would not be equal if it were not for justice. So I'm really thankful that justice is a part of who God is, and it's one of his, his attributes. And this, in this verse we just read, not only will there be judgment, it will be a righteous judgment i used to ask my students what is a righteous judgment use one word to describe a righteous judgment and the one word that would be usually emphasized the most or shared the most was it will be fair a righteous judgment means it will be fair which works to our benefit it works that that works not not just against us when we sin but it works for us when we have been sinned against, so I think it's really important, Scott, that having the faith of power or obtaining that faith as a gift, all all levels of faith are a gift from God. It's not something that we just merit on our own. Uh, but to receive the level of faith, to be able to change, as in, in the case of Nate, mm-hmm. really, and all of us, to change our nature. And to have that level of faith where in our repentance we can not just change, but where we can be changed, to have that level of faith, we we need to understand perfectly the character, attributes, and perfections of God, at least as perfectly as it's possible in this life. And I know that we will never have perfect understanding in this life, But we need to understand the character attributes and perfections of God. So God is not just a God of love, as we discussed last week. He is a God of laws. He's not just a God of mercy. He's also a God of justice. And knowing that helps all of us to progress and to become like him and to look forward to being with him, I think, in hope. I mean, I look... I I know I'm guilty. I know that if I just receive nothing but justice that I'm not going to make it and that mercy will balance that out and that mercy can't rob it. But I'm also glad to know that that the judgment I receive will be fair, that it will be just, and that uh, because of what Christ did for me that uh, all things will work out uh, for my good. If I am repentant, so the importance of understanding a God who is not just a god of love but a god of laws
0: this is an important topic for us to wrestle with, if it requires a wrestle on our part, because I think it's easy for us uh, to just to just think of laws as restrictive um processes or restrictive things in our lives. Because of the laws, I can't do this, or because of law, I can't do that, etc. But if we really see them as they are meant to be, because this is God's way of allowing us to become heirs, joint heirs with him and Jesus Christ, is through these laws. I mean, if God is a God of laws, which is, again, an extension of his love, because it's only through the laws and obedience to the laws and the atonement of Jesus Christ that allows us the enabling powers to keep the laws that we're currently now struggling with, whatever that may be. You know, and we can see any kind of character attribute in our own lives as some of those as well, as Nate did, you know, talked about in his letter. But as, as we as we begin this, or as we engage in, I shouldn't say begin because it's a continual process, but as we continue to engage in this repentance process that helps us to feel God's love through God's laws yeah a- and you know we talked about faith and the power of faith if we go back many 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 episodes when we talked about faith and we talked about he faith as kind of being a helix the more faith we get the more it brings us to God and and you know and we just continually move up right and, and ascend
1: right. ascend
0: in our faith well we our ascend faith
1: our hope our love we, all of those
0: we actually also ascend in feeling God's love as we Mm-hmm. Keep His laws and repent around the laws that we struggle to to yeah. to, to have effective in our lives.
1: Yes, uh, Elder Oaks has talked probably more about this topic than any other, Scott, about the the God of love and the God of laws. And uh, so, the, the, these are the words of Elder Oaks: the love of God does not supersede His laws mm-hmm. and His commandments. And the effect of God's laws and commandments does not diminish the purpose and effect of His love. They they are just two sides of the same coin, Scott. Uh, so it, those who maybe want to read uh, more about that can make uh, make a study of it and uh, Google it, search it, Elder Oaks. Uh, gave a talk called "Love and Law," and uh, I I th- I think of it this way, Scott. I kind of see it as a. We hear this phrase, uh, "truth," circumscribed into one whole. So I see a whole piece of pie, mm-hmm. right? And truth is circumscribed into one whole. I see a huge slice of that pie being. Love. Love is one of the characters, attributes, and perfections of God. It's one that I love to dwell on. It's one that I really that I really hold close to me, that I have great faith in, is the love of God. Mercy is what is a slice of that pie. Grace is a slice of that pie. Justice and judgment and truth and knowing God. But one of those one of those pieces of that pie is the the laws of God, His His uh, willingness because He loves us uh, to give us His commandments. You know, He Jesus Christ in the upper room in the last week said, "If ye love me, ye will keep my commandments." If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I believe if we really love God, we will keep His commandments. Um. Uh, but i i believe that th- those commandments are not just given to us to test us those commandments are given to us because he loved us first the reason he gives us any commandment the reason he offers us any covenant the reason he does any he asks us to do anything as we talked about last time in the in our podcast was because he loves us. He's more concerned about building my kingdom than he is about me building his. If he gives me a commandment, it's because he loves me. A kind parent, a loving parent, anything that they ask their children to do will probably be for their own benefit, their protection, mm-hmm. for their own best good. And and that's the relationship that we should all see ourselves as having with, with God, that he's not just a God of laws or of love, but that he is a God of laws because he loves us. And because he loves us, he gives us laws. So I hope that our, our listeners can help others who they love to understand that God is more than just love. God also is law. And that he's justice and he's judgment, and that those are important attributes of God, uh, which we all need to better understand if we're to have the faith of uh, faith of power to be exalted and to return to his presence. I'm just grateful,
0: and I testify that I know Heavenly Father loves us, and I know that that's exhibited to us because of the laws that He gives us. The laws that He gives us are invitations to us to become more like Him. Uh, They they enable us to become more like Him, and I know that through the enabling powers that come to us because of the atonement of Jesus Christ— we can indeed overcome some of the things in our lives, and that you know maybe our invitation again should be: let's take a look at where maybe there are some weaknesses in our own character, in our own attributes, in our own lives. And, and as we find those, as we develop the ability to turn our will and our lives over to the care of our heavenly Father through the atonement of His Son Jesus Christ, which is, which is administered to us through his spirit the holy ghost and as we partake of the sacrament each week and are reminded that we are covenanting or we are promising to take his name upon us this is how we do that and as we and as we fill those enabling powers those strengthening powers in our lives helping us to not just change our behaviors but to change our nature and and through changing our nature observing the change in our own behaviors, that's the love of God through his laws.
1: Yeah, and that's what it means to live an intentional life yeah. and to repent yep. Yep. with real intent, Scott. Yeah. And as often as we do, was... Nate, you, me, my wife, your wife, all of us, he will forgive us.
0: Yeah. Which which brings us strength that forgiveness again let's remember that brings us strength so that we can be more readily
1: over equipped and over and over and, to, and over to keep the loss again. of god yeah thanks dave thank you everybody look forward to
0: yeah it's been a been a great great episode we look forward to being with you again next week uh, again uh, thanks so much Nate for your for your uh, email Encourage any others that may have questions. Uh, we we try and either answer them via email or by by a response to your, to your email or here on the uh, podcast. So thanks for being with us, everybody. Remember you have been redeemed through His blood. May God bless you with the ability to feel that and see that in your own lives. Take care, everybody.